All righty. Last week, we all cried. Sorry. It's not my fault. It just came up. I left a message over here, so I got to come get it. Sorry, Cheryl. I know I'm out of screen. I'll be right back. Okay. We have been going through what, what has been referred to as the gathering conversation. Um, we've sort of divided it up into to, to this, this process of understanding First of all, who we are as the gathering, but then as you get a little more specific, you start to ask ourselves who we are as Jesus followers. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? What are some of the characteristics uh, that, that should be, in a lot of ways, are evident in people's lives when they follow Jesus? Uh, we started out with that first question of answering, who am I? Well, who are you? What, what, what's the first thing you tell people? Uh, I asked somebody this thing. I, if you had one thing you could tell people that identifies who you are, what's the most important thing people need to know about you? There you go. I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm God's kid playing in the throne room. Here we go. Right? All right. Uh, beyond that, what does that look like? What are some of those characteristics that sort of spell it out for you? And we, we started out with the idea that, that the first thing that we recognize as a child of God is, is the surrender, right? I'm surrendered to God. I'm surrendered to His will for my life. It's a posture. It's a position. Uh, I, I bow before the throne of God and surrender myself to Him. And that was last week. Remember, I'm, I'm going to give Him everything about who I am. I'm going to give Him uh, everything that, that, that He asks for in my life. And so I titled last week's message, uh, I Give Up. That's surrender, right? I give up. God, it's yours. My life for you. And we looked at Galatians 2.20, you know, where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this flesh. You see, I live uh, for the glory of, of, of God. That was last week's sermon. So there you go. This week is called, the title is Take That. Now, uh, ever do something to somebody and you go, wow, take that. Think you won an argument? Take that. Uh, think you did something decisive? Take that, right? Well, I don't mean that, you know, as bad as it sounds. I mean, when God points something out in our lives and says, that's in the way of our relationship. That's in the way of you walking with me. That's in the way of you looking like my son, Jesus. That's a hindrance in your identity in Christ. And our response should be, okay, take that. So where last week's message was, I give up, this week's message is, I give that up. <laughs> right? Whatever it is that stands between you and God, whatever it is that might hinder your walk with God, whatever it is that might become a stumbling block for the gospel, you give it up. You sacrifice it. Now, on our Wednesday night conversations, uh, the word sacrifice, we had, we had one person around the table say, it's, it's, it's such a strong word. Exactly. It's supposed to be a strong word. Uh, so, when you think about sacrifice, greatest sacrifice in the history of the world, Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus gave his life for ours. And and he not only became that figurative sacrifice, he became the literal lamb that was sacrificed. You know what? Nobody's beat me lately, not since I graduated. Right? My dad hasn't turned me over his knee lately. Nobody's taken a whip to my back. Nobody's driven nails through my hands. Right? And yet... What is it that God looks for in my life from a a posture of surrender that nothing in my life rival or, or stand up against his authority, his place in who I am, okay? Matthew 13, verses 44 and 45, these are, um, these are parables, little bitty short sentence parables that Jesus gives us. And parables, remember, are, are, are stories with a point. They're biblical stories. God, Jesus spoke in parables. It fulfills prophecy that Jesus spoke in parables. I don't know if y'all realize that. But he spoke in parables so that, so that he could make a point with a story. All right? This is what he said. Uh, these are Jesus' illustrations, just so you know. Here you go. Uh, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found. So so you get it. He dug it up, but he reburied it. Okay? And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. See? So the treasure in the field is worth more to him than everything else he owns and has in his life. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. See, verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And when he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. So you got the picture. Jesus uses two verses, two sentences to point out that the kingdom of heaven, this dwelling place, of God and his family, God and his people. So, so, the, the, so that, that first important question, who am I? I'm God's child. I am a child of the king. I, I, I am a child of the king at play in the throne room. The kingdom of heaven is, is priceless. And yet we live at a time, in a time, and, and in a place where, where I have seen it in my own life at times, and I'm sure I've seen it in other lives, that, that, that there's some things that we value the same as or even more than our walk with Jesus. We see that? We let things rise to that importance in our lives? I surrender. And God says, what about that? I surrender that. I sacrifice it, right? That, that, that's kind of the picture. that this. Uh, I right, said, so what's treasure? Boy, that's a great word, isn't it? We live right here on Topsail Island. They've been telling me for 12 years there's treasure buried here somewhere. Did y'all know that? That Blackbeard buried treasure somewhere here. You know what? Let's go dig it up, right? Let's go find it. And then I was told that somebody did find it. You know, bought a piece of property on the island, dug up the whole backyard, the whole back part of the property, and disappeared in the night. Have y'all heard that story? Uh, that, that's just some of the Topsail Island lore, right? That there's a, a buried treasure and somebody found it, 
right? Well, that, you know, Jesus uses this parable. He tells this story. Why? Because it gets your attention. It, it, it strikes that nerve and it's like, buried treasure? Man, I want some of that. Well, why isn't it that when he says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's buried, that, that a, a, a man finds, oh, he, he stumbles across it, covers it back up. Because the land belongs to somebody else. Therefore, the treasure belongs to somebody else. So I'm going to go sell my house and my cars and my kids. No, not my kids. Uh, I'm going to go sell everything I got so that I can buy that lot, that land, and then the treasure will be mine. Right? Is that the picture? Is that the point? No. The point is, is that the treasure that Jesus is talking about is more valuable than everything else in your life. You know, it's interesting to me that we are being forced in our culture and society to stand up for our faith. You know, Christianity used to be easy in America. Did y'all know that? Do, do, uh, do we realize it's getting harder to take a stand for what God has said in His Word? Do you realize that that you know as an individual you can't you you can't even go into a public setting and talk about some of the things you believe God says in his word without being being called some some pretty ugly names. You know, if you believe what the Bible says about certain cultural issues right now and you get out and say that in public, oh man, you could be asked to resign. See, that's just for those of you who've read the news this weekend. See that? See, knowing God, walking with God, making God the singular priority, number one, I don't mean the only thing in your life, but the number one thing in your life, that you give heed to, to who He is, who he is in your life, what he has said, what he has revealed, what, what the conviction of following Jesus looks like. You see? That's what this parable is all about. The treasure that we have in Christ Jesus is more valuable than everything else. It's more valuable than the homes we live in. It's more valuable than the cars we drive. It's more valuable than the position we hold in the community. It's more valuable than the influence we have. It's more valuable than our portfolios. It's more valuable than all that. I will not deny Christ in my life. You see that? That's what God's calling us to. That's what God expects to see in our surrender and our sacrifice. So, so what is your treasure? See, I've already given you the answer. Okay, my treasure is Jesus. Right? So, so what do you treasure? Now, this goes back to the, to, to the what's important to you thing from several weeks ago. When you identify your priorities or Put it this way, when you identify your values, what's valuable to you? Do your attitudes, remember I use these three things, your attitudes, choices, and actions reflect your values 
Or do your values reflect your attitudes, choices, and actions? You see, I mean, if people see you, do they see you choosing Jesus first? Or do they see you choosing the world first? Or do they see you choosing a political, cultural position first? Or do they see you parroting something that's been said culturally because it's popular? You see? What's valuable? What do you treasure? Because this is what Jesus said in Matthew 6. See, these two parable sentences come from Matthew 13, but back in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So what you value most is where your heart will go. Now, I, I love asking people, what, what, what do you value most in your life? Make me a list. Give me one, two, and three most valuable things in your life. A lot of times I'll get, you know, I'm a pastor. Guess what the first answer people give me is? God. I go, thank you. All right, I acknowledge that. Appreciate it. Right? What's the second most, invaluable, most valuable thing in your life? A lot of times they'll name specific people. I'll generalize it for them and say, how about family? Yes, family. Yes. What's the third most important valuable thing in your life? You know, yeah, usually career, something along those lines, something else. You know, I've had people say things like, you know, my 1957 Chevy. I don't know. Third doesn't matter, honestly. See, you can put anything in third place. You just can't put third place in front of first place. What I used to love to ask the youth, and I, I shared this several weeks ago. I used to ask the youth to take a card. And on each card, write the most important thing, most valuable thing in your life. And I put a trash can in the middle of the circle. Circle. I say, catastrophe is hit. You lose the fifth most important thing in your life. And the kids were all cool. They were like, that's my Nintendo game. Yeah, I can lose that, right? I said, all right, catastrophe has happened again. You lose the fourth most important thing in your life. Now they're going, wait a minute, that's my best friend. Or that's my this. Okay, throw it away. Now we're on retreat usually when we're doing this. So guess what number one always is, right? So we get to three. You lose it. They give it up. They've got two cards left in their hands. And I say, what's the most important thing in your life? And they're holding cards that say things like God or my best friend or my parents or my family. And they go. And I had kids just break down and cry. See, as Christians, our walk with God is the most important important thing by God's own design <clears throat> is God going to ask you to give those things up not likely but if you lose them what impact does it have on who you are see I heard some preacher once upon a time say you know if all I got is Jesus that's all I need well that is a true statement okay where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So how valuable, how valuable is, is your relationship with God? This, this, these, these conversations come out of a 10-point a, a sermon outline from 20 years ago. The 10 marks of a Jesus follower. The 10 marks, the 10 characteristics of somebody who walks with Jesus. 
First is surrender. Second is sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice for your faith? What are you willing to, are you willing to, uh, for instance, let's say we believe strongly about uh, carrying our Bible in uh, an office setting. Say, I'm a Christian and I read my Bible during lunch, so I'm going to take my Bible to work and my boss comes in and says, you can't bring that in here. Is your job more important than bringing your Bible to work? I had a friend years ago. Used to read. He, he read the Bible through in, in, a, in the course of our friendship, oh, three or four times. Because his whole lunch break at his job, he would sit and read his Bible. All the employees knew that's what he did. Everybody, he was a boss to some of them. They all saw it. See, see, we've we've been challenged in our culture uh, about standing up for our faith. Guess what? We're going to be challenged in our culture about standing up for our faith. How valuable is your faith? Your love for Christ, your love for God. Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God. He's repeating Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means to love God with all of your being. The first and greatest commandment is to love God. All right? You know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. What about my wife and son? Well, yeah, love them, but love God first. That's, that's biblical design. Had a, a Dr. Teeley, and I mentioned him before, Dr. Teeley said, keep your, as pastors, ministers, ministry people, keep your relationship with God first and your relationship with your wife second. All other relationships come after that. He said, because if you get those out of order, if you put three in front of one or two, you will lose one or two. If you put two in front of one, that's idolatry. You see? So how valuable you know, is your relationship with God. And then the second thing, being love your neighbor as yourself kind of idea, you're going to love the people around you. I've shared with you before, I am more than willing to die for my wife and son. Yes, I will. Now, it has never been asked of me, but theoretically, yes, I would, right? Now, I got one son. I've told you all before, he's biblical. He's an only begotten. Okay, And if I was asked to give him, sacrifice him for you, you might be in trouble. I'm just being honest. You see what I mean? And yet God the Father sacrificed God the Son for me, and I know who I am. I know my heart. And I love him, but guess what? I'm not near as pretty, you know, from the inside out. And I know that. You're sitting there going, you ain't that pretty outside either. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. My point is, is that I know me, and yet Jesus died for me. See, would you die for your faith? Would you die for someone 
around you? John 15, 13 says, No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus said, And you are my friends. You see that? It's how much God loves us. So, so surrender is I give up. Sacrifice is I give that up. You can take that, God, because it's in the way of my relationship with you. Are we willing to do that? Yeah, I know my parents gave things up for me. I'm grateful to them. Earl and Sharon, my sister's probably watching right now. Hey, Melanie. Uh, she lives up in Belton where my parents live. She watches us every Sunday morning at 18. <laughs> she, I think she watches so she can go back to my mom and dad and tell them what I said about them. <laughs> right? But I know mom and dad gave up things for us. You know why? Was it just because they were unselfish? No, it's because they loved us. And their unselfishness was a product of their love for us, right? See, they, they sacrificed things of their own to provide for me and my sister. Look around you. Are there people around you that need to know God's love? What are you willing to sacrifice to communicate God's love with others? You willing to sacrifice time? Oh, no, 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 no. My watch says I got to do such and such. Matter of fact, my watch does tell me what I got to do. Right? My phone communicates with my watch and tells me what's coming next. And, I, and my, my, my watch goes, and I go, okay, I got to go. Sorry, see you. Right? We... we Am I willing to, to, to sacrifice time, energy, resources to let other people know God loves them? Would God ask that of me? Absolutely he would. You see that? Paul said this, and I like this because in Philippians 3, I had to preach on this once upon a time for class years and years, you know, 30 years ago. But in Philippians 3, he gives sort of the testimony of his life. He tells you who he is. And yet it's not who he is. It's who he was. He says, watch out for the dogs. Sounds like he was from Georgia. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. This is Philippians 3, verse 2. Uh, for we are the circumcisions, the one who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he's got grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. He's given us his pedigree. I've got a reason for pride in who I am. Right? I used this passage one time when I was preaching. I said, man, I was born a Southern Baptist among Southern Baptists. I was dedicated in the first year. I was baptized at eight years old, right? I attended Sunday school. Now, I was not one of those guys that got a year pin of perfect attendance. But anyway, um, and I said, I'm a Baptist among Baptists. 
right? I'm just trying to relate the two, okay? But then he says, but everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. So there's, there's where you realize it doesn't exactly correlate to being a, Jew among, a Hebrew among Hebrews and being a Baptist among Baptists. But do you know I have known in my life some Baptists who hold their Baptist distinction more importantly than they hold their walk with Jesus? That's why I call it churchianity or religiosity. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things. And here's that strong little phrase there. And consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. How important is it in your life to follow Jesus? And if God pointed out, and remember last week when I was saying I surrender, I said, you've already identified in your life where God's poking you. That's in the way. That's taking priority over me. You're spending more time doing that than you are hanging out with me, talking to me, reading the word. You're spending more money on that than you do on, 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 on loving others or, or kingdom work. You're, you're doing all of these things and they're in the way of your testimony for Christ. Are you willing to say, I give that up? You see, I sacrifice that. Paul says in Romans 12, 1, Therefore, brothers... Yeah, I jumped over that last part, Amanda, sorry. Yeah, I know you made the slides and all. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Heard one preacher say one time, the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. So what, what, what is the, the, the biggest thing that God's asked you to sacrifice for your relationship with Him? What's the biggest thing that God's asked you to sacrifice for your relationship to Him that you've refused to sacrifice? It's a challenge, y'all. The world needs to see Jesus. Problem with that is God chose to use us. We need to show the world Jesus. That means Jesus needs to be the most important thing, the most important person, the most important relationship in our lives. I've told this story before, so you've heard it before if you've been here in any... When I was in Bible college at Columbia, there were these, these three guys that sang as a trio together. They came in as freshmen together. They hung out together. Their voices blended like you wouldn't believe. It was incredible. Man, they'd get up in chapel and they'd sing and everybody was like, oh, we want to sing like them. Well, they were also outdoorsmen. They liked hunting and fishing and all that stuff. 
So they went on a hike, and, and the Bible college campus backed up to the river, the broad river there going through Columbia. So they went hiking down to the river's edge, and, and out in the middle of the river, and broad river's broad, it's big. And out in the middle of the river's this island. And so they waded across some rapids and rocks to get to the island. They went down the island in the middle of the river. At the end of the, middle, end of the island, it was deep water, Right? And uh, Columbia Bible College was a pretty tight campus. There were about 600 students in the undergrad program, and everybody knew everybody. So to get back to the mainland, the, the, the river's edge, they decided to swim the deep water. Two of them were really good swimmers, and one of them wasn't. And as they started swimming, two of them pretty much made it across the river. And their friend was struggling. Right? So the last one, he turned around, went back to help his friend get across the river. Got him to the edge. He got up, coming up out of the water and turned around and the one who came to save him was gone. They spent all afternoon and all night trying to locate him. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends, folks. Some of us are going to be called on to make an ultimate sacrifice. We live in a community where that sacrifice is made regularly. But what would God ask of you to make the gospel known? We have you give up, you know, stuff? If so, I give that up. Would he have you give up relationships? If so, I give that up. Would he have you give up some cultural identity? If so, I give that up. Would he have you give up your life so that someone else might know Jesus? Possible. <clears throat> Talking about sacrifice. Like I said a minute ago, it's theoretical at this point, right? But the Bible promises that the days are coming when people will lose their life for their faith. As a matter of fact, around the world right now, it's already happening. So folks, why, why, why such a heavy message? Last week made you cry. This week I'm making you mad. Because there are certain characteristics that need to be a part of a believer's life, of a follower of Jesus. Too much we hold the things of this world more valuable. And to be honest, we need to stop that. Okay? Yeah. Boy, I didn't come in here for this preacher. I remember one day a guy told me, he said, you know, I come to church so I can be made to feel good. I said, you're probably in the wrong place. I just want to challenge you. I just want to challenge you. What we value most in this life, the Bible says needs to be Jesus. Okay? Surrender, sacrifice. All right. Pray with me. God, I want to thank you again for today. 
God, I don't know what you're going to ask of me in the next minute, much less the next day or the next year. And yet, God, I know the position and posture of surrender requires a position and posture of sacrifice. And God, if there is anything in me, anything in my life, in Bobby's life, that stands in the way of my walk with you, then God, take that. Take that from me. God, my prayer is is that, that I would be completely and wholly surrendered and that I'd present myself a living sacrifice. To you. God, I thank you for every person in the room. This is not an easy topic. It's not an easy message. The word sacrifice, God, is harsh. And yet we find it all throughout your word. And we know we live in a culture that doesn't ask for much sacrifice. So God, position our hearts to give you everything. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.